In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 5. As we go through this, the, the uh, Beatitudes, which open the Sermon on the Mount, this is Matthew 5, verse 5. So let's read up to that. And so Matthew 5, verse 1. <clears throat> Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, This is our beatitude tonight. For they shall inherit the earth. I want you guys to imagine a a, a clear, calm surface of water. Nice pond. No ripples, no waves. And the way it reflects the sky and the shoreline on the other side. And now I want you to consider your inner child As you see that calm, clear pond, (laughs) you know what you want to do with it? You know, rocks and ripples. That's what I definitely did as a kid, man. You find that clear water and you just want to take a rock. You just want to make something happen. So you throw stuff and then then you're like, whoa, Billy, let's get a bigger thing. Help me with that log. And you start trying to just, just make a mess and it just assert like if there's this part of us that just wants to assert like we did something we manipulated this we changed it we we have control and power (laughs) and there is a part of us um that loves to know that we have power or control or um yeah some sort of like assertiveness over life and we live in a culture that tells us that that's something good to have now, there are times when power is good to have and control is a good thing, um, but Jesus is actually going to call into question if our desire for those things are misplaced and if we are seeking control and power in the wrong things. So um, we are going to look at the beatitude of meekness. Some translations smooth over meek with the word gentle. Because meek has a very terrible connotation in culture. No one likes the word meek and no one wants to be called meek. We have completely misunderstood this word and have made it terrible. Um, so we've got we've to understand what this word is. So power is one of those things that uh, we have... Thanks, guys. <laughs> this one's done, by the way, in the future. Um, okay, power is something that we see at play in the story of King David and King Saul. Now, power, we can gain power in one of two ways. Uh, power can be asserted. Power can be asserted. I tell you to do this. 
And we make people do what we tell them to do. We use force. We use manipulation. We use influence. We use conniving. We got to be clever. This is King Saul. King Saul's power was asserted. So that when David, who is anointed to be king in the midst of Saul's reign, finds out that there's someone else that God has chosen, that the prophet of the land has anointed to be the next king, David is feeling the power of Saul asserted upon him. So what Paul, what Saul does is Saul, when he has the chance to kill David, he does. He takes a spear and he tries to thrust the spear through David. Fortunately, David ducks in time. That, that's what asserted power does, is asserted power is thrusting power. You're trying to thrust things. You're trying to basically flex your muscles and your might. So Saul would always flex his kingship. See this crown? Oh, yeah. See this spear? Oh, yeah. See this kingdom? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. But David represented a very different kind of power. His power was not asserted. It was inherited. His power was inherited. It was given to him by God. Which means David didn't have to flex back against King Saul. He knew who would ultimately rule the kingdom. And what is shocking, though, we can know that, but David also then chose to go down the road of struggle and hardship and disappointment that was going to come with the waiting for him becoming king. But this is the Christian form of power. We don't assert our power in this world. We inherit it from God. True power is given. It cannot be claimed. You'll never have more than what you can flex. But if we inherit power, then we inherit God's spirit. And we inherit more than we dreamed, and we inherit what he calls us to. So we have to ask ourselves, as we get to this beatitude of meekness, is power asserted or inherited? Oh, so asserted power is thrusting spears, but inherited power is not thrust, it's trust. Saul thrust his spears at David, but David trusted in God. That's what inherited power looks like. So that means even when inherited power is losing control, it doesn't fight back to regain that land. It trusts that God is doing something. This is grossly counter-cultural. You understand? So this is where we come to the word meek and meekness, and why we don't like it as a culture. So blessed are the meek. By the way, let me just see, whose Bible says something other than meek? Do we have any that say gentle or anything else? Okay, good. Yeah, anything else other than gentle? Okay, yeah. Okay, so here is why sometimes we will use the word gentle here. And I've done this often to help people understand what does it mean to be meek? It means to be gentle. But also that sometimes it's like you see those little pastel pictures of white-skinned, blue-eyed Jesus with blonde hair or with the little children and like poppy seed, like poppy flowers all around him. It's like gentle and mild Jesus. Um, that's, that's not what this is. So here's... Um, there you go. I had meek on my dictionary and I looked at it, it said mineral water. 
don't know where that came from. Okay, back to Meek. Uh, here's actually how we use Meek in our um, culture. Uh, as an adjective, Meek is synonymous with spiritless. It's evidencing little spirit or courage. It's overly submissive or compliant. Ooh. Do you want to be one of those? No. No. So we come to a point in the Beatitudes where if the first two weren't hard enough, the third one is equally hard. And we're like, boy, who wants to be any of these things? Who wants to be poor in spirit? A spiritual condition in which you are in debt. You have no penny to your soul. Who wants to mourn? No one like, in fact, we try to suppress and have happy feelings. And, and boy, heaven forbid that there's a church service that practices lament. We always want to be happy, clappy Christians and culture too. Uh, and who wants to be meek, spiritless, and submissive, and compliant, and, and, and tr- trampleable? Basically, you're a rug. If you're meek, you're a rug. Um, and you're maybe good for a hug too, but you're a rug. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to be meek either. So these beatitudes, what happens is people see these and like, ooh, these are so undesirable. These are things we should not be. And so then we get confused about what Jesus is asking us to do. So we think on one hand, he's telling us to trade in what we think we should be for something lesser, and then he'll give us a blessing in return. That's a misreading of this. That's legalism and works. Jesus is not saying, well, give up, give all this up and be something worse, and then I will compensate you with a blessing. You may remember by now our third message that, oh, I think we did an intro first, our fourth message, um, that the word blessed refers to the what life? Thank you. The good life. You can say it out loud. It's okay. The good life. It's about Edenic thriving. Blessed here is a Greek word that's used more as an adjective than a verb. We don't get blessed. We enter into a state of being in a blessed way of living. So to be poor in spirit, to be a mourner over your sins and to um, be meek is to enter into Jesus's vision of the good life. So we probably don't really understand these terms then. Uh, some people will also look at this and say, yeah, it doesn't matter actually. Okay, so um, we want to be meek, but we want to be meek in a way that the world doesn't understand. Um, even cowed submissiveness. There's another definition. Cowed submissiveness. This is not meek. So, meek is not weak. Meekness is not weakness. That's often how it's described. Meekness is something completely different. Meekness is inherited power. Okay? So, if assertive power is flexing and thrusting, meekness is blessed are those who don't flex their abilities Blessed are those who don't flex their power. Blessed are those who don't flex their influence. Blessed are those who rather trust in God. Okay. So, um, boy, I, there is so much in defining this word meek that I just, I'm going to just distill this to the essence for us. Um, I late this week um, recorded. Do you guys, anybody remember the B side podcast, Once Upon a Time? I late this week because I had a busy week, so late uh, actually did one for the last message, and um, I'll probably have to do another one for this one because, so I'm doing those again uh, because there's so much in here. But here's what it comes down to meekness is an undisturbed and deliberate acceptance 
of difficulty. So what does it mean to be meek? Undisturbed. Undisturbed. Think of that clear pond. You are not someone who has things being thrown in or you're throwing things at. You're leaving things undisturbed. Someone who's undisturbed and practices a deliberate acceptance of difficulty. So, acceptance of difficulty. That's King David. His meekness was, I know that God's calling me to be king, but this isn't the path I envisioned for getting to the throne, but this is the path he gave me. I will accept the difficulty. Now, if you don't accept the difficulty that comes in your life, then you will not be undisturbed. Do you see? You will be disturbed that this is happening to me. So the meek person wants to live with that soul that is sitting by the quiet waters like Psalm 23. And it will, rather than say, I resist what you're doing in my life or I resist what's happening. It says, okay, this is what God wants. I'm going to trust him. And in this, I'm somewhere going to find the power he's leading me to. My power is not in fighting against or resisting. My power is in accepting even the difficult because through this, he's doing something through this his power will come through me that's the meek person it's not me flexing it's god flexing through me because i'm willing to accept everything he brings in my life does this sound like a better power yeah this is this is a strong soul who will be willing to go through anything and we see this implemented perfectly in christ when he is taken to the cross. Now, we've all thought it before. Oh, what he could have done. We've even thought, why didn't he fight back and call the legions of angels down and, and just, here is my divinity! Woo! And everyone's just blinded and like, he just, like, that's, we want to see a superhero movie. He embodied meekness by accepting the difficulty. He was undisturbed in it. Oh, he had a hard time. He prayed. But he went in it with peace of heart because he was meek. He told us that. Matthew 11, he'll tell us, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, for I am lowly and meek, and I will give you my yoke. Um, The martyrs later in the church, the martyrs, as they are persecuted for righteousness sake, you you read, have you ever read the stories of martyrs? It's incredible. It is so faith encouraging that they do not sit there and go oh just you wait till judgment day you'll get it and if i could come down here i will or if i could get out of this or there's no threats there's no you will be condemned uh there is simply receiving and praising god for what's come they were meek in their persecutions and in their suffering or death or both um they conquered their enemies because when an enemy comes and tries to insult or harm us and we go ow and we fight back we've done exactly what the enemy wanted he knows i hit a weakness 
But when we just take it like, oh, what do you got? What are you going to do? Kill? I think Emily was earlier praying. Uh, what are you going to do? Kill me? I'll go to be with the Lord. Ha <laughs> ha, I win. Like, this is the meek disposition. And we even see stories of saints who are not only worshiping, sometimes they are laughing at their situation because death has come to them defanged because they know the one who's already conquered death. This is meekness. We see this undisturbed, deliberate acceptance of difficulty in God's people. So if we want to, if we want to distill this a little bit more, an undisturbed, uh, an undisturbed and deliberate acceptance of difficulty, we can just basically, and I like this, I just had to flesh it out so it wouldn't be too, too like oversimplified. It's basically just a calm disposition of soul. A calm disposition of soul. That's not because you're a weak person. It's because you trust the one who is powerful. So your disposition is one of no panic, no hurry, no forcefulness. Think of the opposite of someone who is an agitated disposition of soul, an angry disposition of soul. They always have to grab something or like Saul, throw a spear or, or, or manipulate people or use force. They have to take something because they're not feeling right. But the meek control themselves because they submit themselves to the God who is their power. So John of Kronstadt, whose sermons, he was a 1800s. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's an 1800s priest in Russia. And God did a revival through him. Um, this was Kronstadt, Russia, is um, what Australia used to be. It's where they sent all their uh, criminals. So it was a it was a city built with of criminals. And John was sent there to be the priest. What a job! And he actually sees a revival come through his work. And um, secular sources record amazing miracles that were done at this church. Um, so. I've really enjoyed reading some of his sermons on the Beatitudes. And this is what he said. He said, meekness is a calm disposition of the soul, which has been made steadfast in Christ. Why do we have a calm disposition of soul? Because we are solid. We're steadfast in Christ. Then he's, how do we get there? He says, so it's a soul which has been made steadfast in Christ through faith and love. So it's a trusting that I can accept whatever comes because he's good. He loves me. So again, I'm going to read through it all now. Meekness is a calm disposition of the soul, which has been made steadfast in Christ through faith and love and which endures every evil done to it by people or by the devil's treachery. So, calm disposition because it's steadfast in Christ and because it endures every evil, whether from people or the devil. If you're steadfast, you can endure. And if you can endure and be steadfast, you have a calm disposition. This is the secret power the quiet ones that hold the most authority in all the earth. So, naturally, the meek inherit the earth. Not King Saul, King David inherits the earth. 
So meekness. So we've we've distilled this from an undisturbed and deliberate acceptance of difficulty to a calm disposition of soul. And now if I could choose one word, meekness is stability. You're a stable person because you have entrusted your life to the one who is stable. As a result, we inherit everything. All right. Now, Jesus' inherit the earth um, is a phrase that comes from the Psalms. And it's used significantly in two Psalms. I would like us to go look at these Psalms because studying the Bible is a very good thing, even if it's difficult to go find passages. Um, Psalm chapter 2. So the second Psalm, and then it'll also be Psalm 37. So Psalm 2 is, it doesn't use this exact phrase, but the concept is here. And in Psalm 2, we see uh, this scene in which, by the way, Psalm 2 is the second of two introductory Psalms. So Psalm 1 is an introduction to all of the prayers and praise of the Psalms. Um, And it tells us that, hey, entering this prayer book will make you like a tree planted by flowing streams. Your leaves will not wither and your fruit will always prosper. What an introduction. That's that's what you're getting into when you enter the Psalms. Then the second introductory Psalm is, uh, that's the spiritual side. It's more of a, a, a semi-political, spiritual political side. The second introductory Psalm is Psalm 2. And it says, look, those who then pray these prayers and find the Lord's way, who are that tree, they will serve the right king. So the Psalms are a prayer book to help us flourish. By the way, that Psalm 1 uses the word blessed, which is the same word in the Beatitudes, the good, Edenic, flourishing life. So yes, praying the Psalms gives you that life, but praying the Psalms also teaches you the right king to serve. The right king to serve. So that's what Psalm 2 is about. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? So you have this scene in which the peoples are not calm and peaceful. There are rocks and ripples being thrown around everywhere. Um, And they come together and they say, let us cast the Lord and his anointed's bonds from us. Let us break from his control that we may be in control. I'm paraphrasing. Um, And then in verse four, God is laughing at all this because he's like, what are these little ants trying to do to me? And then we see in verse seven, he makes this announcement. The king is on his throne. Even while everybody's trying to rebel against his rulership, he sits on his throne. And in verse seven, he makes a decree. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, In the Gospels, we just saw at the baptism of Jesus some time ago um, that this was declared over Jesus. The king says, this is my son who will reign. The nations don't want him, but he will reign. Meekness. He's going to inherit all things, even though he's going to go through difficulty. Um, Now, before Jesus, the Israelites probably, it's believed they used the psalm uh, and they prayed it over each king that received the throne. So each king then was seen as the new son of God who is ruling Israel on his behalf until the ultimate son of God, Jesus Christ, comes. Um, Okay, so he sets up his son as the king. And then look at verse 8. So, of course, we are looking at this as Christ is the king, right? We now have the advantage of seeing the fulfillment. So verse 8, he says to his son, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. What is he inheriting? 
the nations. He's inheriting the earth. And the ends of the earth, your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So in short, this is my king. He will inherit all and he will rule over all of it. So they can rebel now, but when he finally receives it, when he inherits his power, then there will be no more rebellion. True power, absolute power will then be on the throne. Because you guys know, right? The powers of this earth are all pretend. They're all pretend. They're just flexing their muscles and their military might and their tax-paying dollars and the people they extort and kill along the way to stay in power. That's all it is. Not with Christ. Okay, so there's one uh, concept where we see this idea of inheriting the earth. Um, but now Psalm 37 is where the actual phrase itself comes from. Psalm 37, and we'll put it at verse 1. You'll hear it come up in a minute. But I think if you guys hear the flow of this psalm when we get up to the verse, um, you will see that this psalm is all about meekness. So please, as we read through this psalm, pay attention to what it's describing, and you will hear all of these verses are describing the meek person. So Psalm 37, it's of David, who embodied what we're talking about. Uh, Verse 1, fret not yourself because of evildoers. We saw the nations fretting earlier, didn't we? Fret not because of evildoers. Don't let the rocks create ripples in your soul. Fret not because of evildoers. No, and be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. But trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will flex. He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness like the light and your justice as the noonday. So be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. In other words, don't take things into your own hands. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. By the way, in Greek, earth and land are the same word, so um, same concept. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. It shows up one more time. Verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Was Jesus praying the psalms it's not a trick question absolutely psalm 37 was definitely something he prayed because here in the beatitudes 37 verse 11 comes right out but the meek shall inherit the land and he just says blessed are you who are meek for you will inherit the earth you are the king david's you are of my lineage you will be part of my rule and reign over all things one day. This 
my friends, gives us stability, doesn't it? If you know that your father has given everything to Christ and that we are in Christ and will therefore receive everything with him, how can we therefore then live trying to assert ourselves? How can we try to live trying to manipulate people's wishes to make everything work our way? How do we live this way? We have every, we are the owners of everything the world wants, and they, we have it. Now, you don't have it in your hands yet, granted, but it's yours. And Jesus is saying you're blessed if you get this and live this way. That's what the flourishing life looks like. So I want to ask you guys to consider what it means to live like someone who will inherit the earth. What would that mean for you? Well, for one, it, I would say it means this. It means that we're going to live grounded. If I'm going to inherit the earth, I don't have to jump and soar and do, I don't have to jump at all these things. I can just live grounded because the ground is mine. God has given us the earth. I can be grounded. Grounded is the same thing as saying I am stable. It's the same thing as saying I have a calm disposition of soul. It's the same thing as saying I am undisturbed and I deliberately accept difficulty, assuming it's coming from God. This is what it is to be grounded. The meek are grounded. The meek know what's theirs in due time. What does it look like to be meek and grounded? Well, one, it means that you don't jump at every insult or every enemy. This is really hard. We get insulted. People come against us. And we want to assert, not be meek. We want to assert that we're correct. We want to prove that they are wrong. We want to show, we want to flex that you shouldn't do that to me ever again. You don't know who you're messing with. King Saul mentality. We don't jump up at every insult or every enemy. To be grounded is not to do that. See, if, 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 if what our enemy does to us leaves us unharmed, meaning we're like, cool, what else do you have? If it leaves us unharmed, then it leaves the enemy disarmed. Right? When insult leaves us unharmed, it leaves the enemy disarmed. They, they did their worst. What now can they do? That will win. You, without lifting a finger, have defeated your enemy. Whether it be a person or the devil, you have defeated them. And this is what the meek person understands. We don't have to retaliate. We don't have to react. So you guys, it's been a while since I've quoted him, but you might remember St. John of Sinai, also known as John of the Ladder, uh, because he wrote this book about the ladder of um, growth. And um, he, uh, he tells this, there's one passage in which, uh, in his book, he's talking, I don't even remember what chapter it is, so never mind, let's not even say that. But in his book, he, he talks about this, situation where I want you to imagine that you are insulted. You're injured by somebody. Your feelings are hurt. Your pride is hurt. They stat, they push that button. You know which one that is when you're insecure and it makes you want to say, I am not like that. So they, they insult you. Then he describes there's three reactions. All of these are godly. All of these are to be aimed for. But the third is the highest. The first reaction is that you remain silent. So you insult me, and I just take it. I, I'm just silent. 
I don't give you the pleasure of my reaction. Keep my mouth shut. Now that could be a lifelong training session, couldn't it? That's just, that's just reaction one. The second one's better. He says, someone insults you in the second person. Thanks God for the humble moment. Your insulting me reminded me that I had pride there. And so I am now rejoicing that God is removing this thing that I'm proud about. So I'm not just keeping my mouth shut. Now I'm actually thanking God that I was insulted. Has anyone done that? You can practice. Insult me now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it would be an interesting experiment because, of course, I'll just do everything I can to be holy right now. But see, that's the thing, right? It catches you off guard. And our, our task is to be mindful always of everything in life is trying to condition us either to join the devil or Christ. So we got, we got to watch, you know, we got to watch every moment. Uh, so the first one was silent. The first one rejoiced because he was humbled. And then the third one, when he was insulted, he wept. Not because his feelings were hurt. He wept over the person whose soul is in such a state that they would want to insult you. They wept for the person. Lord, have mercy and help us to be meek. So to be grounded, to be meek is to be grounded, which means you're not jumping at insults or things people say. You keep a calm disposition of soul. To be meek and grounded means that we are mourning our sin. Well, this is just obvious. The Beatitudes progress like a ladder, like, like stairs. So the poor in spirit recognize their poverty before God, that all we receive is his goodness to us. And so then we see what we've done in response is sin, and we weep and mourn over our sin. And when we've done these first two Beatitudes, we then enter into meekness. Meekness is the fruit of my mourning my sin and my recognizing my poverty before God. That's how somebody is meek. Pray the prayers of David, and you get why he had a different view of power than Saul did. David was meek. And he was not weak, was he? He did some mighty things. Um, So mourning our sin, but here's also what happens is when we mourn our sin, yes, that leads to meekness. But when you do so, and I hope that perhaps you've been practicing over the week, um, what you find is in God as you mourn your sin, you find the meekness of God toward us. God's not flying off the handle saying, I can't believe you did it again! And then it flexes his power. I hope that you discovered rather that God comes with calm disposition of soul, if you can say that about God, and there just accepts us as we are. The meekness of God is met when we mourn our sins and we there get a mirror of the way we should live toward other people. So people are meek because they've experienced meekness. So they will treat others with the same disposition. So uh, we don't jump at insults. We mourn over our sins and experience the meekness of God. And then third, uh, being grounded, being meek means that we're not striving 
just kind of encapsulates the whole picture we've had here. You're not, you're not reaching, straining. You're not asserting yourself. If you feel like you're having to strive to make things happen or to strive to get what you want, maybe it's time to just pause and ask, okay, is this a good striving or am I overreaching what maybe I'm supposed to be accepting, right? Maybe I'm supposed to be accepting what I don't want to accept. We must ask ourselves, why are we striving? Uh, Saul was definitely striving. Paul, Paul, before he was Paul, right? He was Saul too. He was striving to kill Christians. And God called him out. He's like, why are you kicking against the goads, Saul? That means sharp little uh, spears behind goats or cattle so they don't kick backward. It prods them on. Uh, Paul is basically just kicking against those. Like, ow. Have you ever stubbed your toe? Have you ever kicked your shin really hard into some like hard like metal bench thing out there? Like, yeah, you want to say all kinds of mean things to that bench. Um, That's what he was doing. He was striving. He's just kicking his shins and his toes against God's working. If we feel like that, we have to ask, are we, have we entered into meekness? We're probably not in meekness if we're striving. And so what meekness will give us is a contentment. But not just about the stuff we have. I think we often talk about contentment as I'm content with my stuff. Uh, contentment, not also, also we sometimes think of contentment about your place in life. I'm, I'm content with my place in life. Um, no, it's, it's deeper than that. A meek person is content with who they are. They're content with who they are. Why do we flex? Why do we control? Why do we want power? Because we want to somehow improve who we are or let other people think better about who we are. But the person who is completely content with who they are is the person who is in that place of trusting God. And it might be difficult to be me. It might be difficult to be in this place, but I trust God. And in that, we find this contentment that I am enough because he's enough. And then we're no longer living to try to be more than who we are or less than who we are. Meekness accepts who we are and trusts that God will be more than enough through us. So, brothers and sisters, that is to be meek. Are you grounded? Or are you flying off and falling everywhere and and running? And are we just planted in the earth which Christ will give us? Are we growing our roots where he has us? Are we bearing that fruit? Are we becoming the Eden, the heaven to come? Because we pray it in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing his reign. One day he will bring it. But he is bringing the preview. We're laying the foundation as we are grounded in meekness. Blessing. We are in the blessed state. And people see the good life. What the kingdom of heaven looks like through us. So, rocks and ripples... A meek person doesn't have those. You are that pond with that glass surface, perfectly reflecting Christ to all who look at it. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen.